episode technically four of uh the touchline takes podcast uh it's me your host cam or cameron whatever is easier for you folks out there and i am joined today in every podcast by my co-host uh mr or senor carl whatever you want to call him just carl either way just carl works too (laughs) (laughs) yeah just carl i don't know why we're trying to force something on top of that Uh, but yeah we are back in action here um we actually tried to do a podcast oh, what was it, two, two weeks ago, Carl? It was like a week three ago? weeks ago at this point. Three weeks ago? <laughs> it was about three weeks ago. It's been a little while, but we tried to record a podcast about three weeks ago. Um, what happened on that podcast was what a lot of people are experiencing right now. Um, internet just dropped out. Mm. It's really a problem in this country. We spend way too much money for internet that just doesn't work. Um, so we kind of gave up. We, we recorded a lot of stuff, but um, it just really wasn't yeah. salvageable. We got like, what, 30 minutes in or something like that, and we just had to. We had to call it. We just couldn't yeah. do it. There, there's too many spaces and the call dropping out, and it was just not working. And I mean, you know, we we gave it our best effort, and that's all you can ask for. Um, to, and to be fair, we only talked about uh, Lionel Messi potentially leaving who? Barcelona. Uh, yeah, you know who, uh, but he ended up staying at Barcelona anyway. So it kind of yeah. would have been a, a pointless podcast, right? Uh, other than just discussing his legacy, I guess. Right. Yeah. No, it's it's unfortunate, but we're back at it now, and you know we're really excited about today's episode because you know it's Project Restart has already happened, and new seasons upon us, and there there's so much. everywhere. It is. There is so much to talk about. And you know what? It's it's so weird. I was thinking the other day, you know, just how excited I am about this season. And I don't know really what it is. But yeah. like, I mean, it's not like past years where, you know, you're counting down the days when the season ends in June. Like this year, like, you know, the season really didn't end until middle of mm-hmm. August, you know, end of July. So we didn't really have that long of a break, but for some reason, this new season just like, you know, it's got me really excited, um, you know, all across the world when it comes to football. Yeah, I I don't know what it is for me personally, but um, this might be a weird statement. It just seems like this is the year where I feel like so many different things, like we could kind of break the mold of the past couple years a little Mm -hmm. bit. It seems like Mm -hmm. there's some teams that could really show out um whether that's in europe or domestically right a lot of interesting transfers we're kind of seeing uh the post messi and ronaldo future a little bit yeah definitely yeah and i also think carl i think it's as much as people have complained about certain things that we'll get into it's like it seems like one of the most accessible times to watch um football you know yeah no it definitely does like in my, my poor bank account with all these subscriptions I got, but, you know, at this point, I really don't care. It's just like... It's not that bad, though, right? It, it, like, it, I mean, it isn't that bad. And I, you know, I've been able to wake up on a Saturday and watch, you know, Premier League, flip it on, you know, to some Liga if I want to, you know, if I want to watch some Serie A, Bundesliga. 
um, and then come later at night, you know, if I want to watch some MLS, some USL, um, you know, all those options are there, um, granted across different platforms and each come yeah. with its own costs, but th- those options... a lot. No. I mean, we've discussed ESPN Plus being fairly cheap. It's $5 a month. Mm-hmm. Um, CBS All Access, that's five dollars a month i don't have it yet so i don't actually know but it's right. it's like five to ten um nbc peacocks five bucks a month i mean it, it really the only thing that's expensive is getting the uh the live tv package at this point yeah no that that's sort of the only thing that you're kind of looking at and it's it's you know costing you a lot of money but it's it's definitely worth it i feel like um and you know for anybody who's a huge football fan this is this is a good time, especially here Definitely. in the U.S., um, because, you know, obviously there's been talk for, you know, well over a decade about trying to grow the sport here. And um, I think it's it's really like you said, we're hitting sort of a turning point, I feel like, um, where the sport is really taking off. Yeah, it's interesting, man. I think when I say accessible, I think you can you can put it into terms of like, say, if you're a basketball fan here in the United States, I mean, you could mm-hmm. argue that the you know Euro League's been growing like crazy. Uh, domestic basketball leagues like La, La Liga's, or I don't know if they call it La Liga, but uh, their basketball league in Spain, mm-hmm. uh, Italy, Greece, you know, all those countries they've been growing. But I I don't even know how I would go about watching that. Whereas I can you know watch I can watch the fledgling Canadian Premier League. I can watch. <laughs> Uh, whatever's going on in the Eredivisie, uh, Germany, Spain, like all these countries, and it's so easy. So, yeah, I think that's what I mean, especially coming from uh, being a kid that really didn't have much access to that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, especially since we were in the, the dawn of the, the Internet and streaming content back then, and now it's just so easy. Even TV packages to, um, you know, watch English soccer uh, or right. football 10 years ago was much more difficult to get at. So yeah, def- definitely a, a good time to watch soccer. But uh, we've got a lot of good topics today. We'll be we'll be getting to the Premier League starting back up. Um, we've got some domestic lower league stories to go over because that is one of our favorite things to talk about here. Oh, yes. uh, lower league United that. States soccer. Yeah, no, that'll be good. Um, be but really, in the really meantime, good. Carl, what have you been up to uh, besides watching soccer? Not much, really. You know, I've been kind of in my sort of own, you know, self-quarantine. The wife just got back from her trip home to Brazil. So it's, uh, you know, for the past two weeks, been working from home, just spending a lot of time at home, just, you know, us and the two cats. Um, We spent a little time, you know, she tested negative before coming home for coronavirus. So we spent a little time uh, walking around the old port here in Portland for people who, you know, the Portland, Maine area. You know what I'm talking about. If you haven't been to Portland, Maine, I highly recommend it. Um, We will talk about this more on our uh, travel podcast um, that will start (laughs) up soon, maybe. Um, And so accessible, great place to walk around, isn't it? Oh, it's fantastic. And I mean, the weather is starting to get a little too cool too soon. Um, mm, you know, a first crispy. a little crispy here in Maine. You know, you you definitely ran away from that heading to Florida. Yeah, but uh, yeah. um, first day of fall is actually now, um, you know, so it's it's good to walk around the weather's been nice um and you know that's basically what i've been up to just kind of relaxing you know watching football uh working and just kind of enjoying the last days of warm weather that i can 
Well, that sounds pretty good. Um, definitely, you know, there's some vibes that I'm missing when it comes to fall weather in Maine. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. But it's actually, it's been, um, it's been like, we had a day the other, last weekend, where it, it hit 60s. Oh, my goodness. 60s all day long. I know that's not cold, but for here... People must people have been out in their scarves and their gloves and, you know, uh, their hats. Some hoodies and stuff. Yeah, they were, you know, they were just trying to take it as seriously as they can. Um, but but you, I guess in... Oh, you, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, you've had an interesting last three weeks, that's for sure. You know, I, you're, <laughs> yeah. you're asking me here, but, you know, I'm, I'm not some, you know, warrior who's so, kind of battled so, through it. Yeah, so the, uh, the Touchline Takes um, hosts have now been hit by the good old COVID-19, the Rona. Um, me, myself, Cameron, I, uh, I got COVID. Um, I, made a, I made a bad decision, so it's kind of on my, on my end. I don't really blame anyone else. I, was, I thought I was okay to go to a little social gathering, um, and then it turned out to be a few more people there than I anticipated. So mm-hmm. that was already kind of an indicator of things to come. But um, a couple of days after that, I ended up testing positive for COVID. Uh, the symptoms weren't really like I wouldn't have known to get tested unless I had found out that somebody else that was there tested positive. So I just you know did my did my duty and due diligence and mm-hmm. stopped going into my office and uh, went and got tested. But I my, I was achy really badly for a couple of days, so that was a very weird sensation. Um, like to kind of put it in the most drastic terms, like even putting on a shirt would be super uncomfortable. I don't know. There was just something with my skin where just even having something rub over it just made me feel really achy and getting out of bed was just not fun. Um, It didn't get much worse. I didn't have a cough or anything like that, but my throat was sore. I couldn't taste or smell anything. I really still can't taste or smell anything that well. It's coming back, but um, yeah, like I could, (laughs) uh, I could have like a, a shot of vodka and just hold it in my mouth and it was not any different than like just having like a sip of water in my mouth so that was a weird sensation um what else did did impact me with that i think that was it i just had like a runny nose um occasionally a little bit of like a headache but nothing terrible i was definitely Mm -hmm. really tired so but i guess the point is that it still impacts you even if you're young like me i'm 26 uh but it's you got to be careful you can't pass this on to people that are older than us like that's right that's where it's really going to start impacting and um you know potentially being lethal so just just a reminder wear your mask socially distance i immediately stopped going anywhere stayed home but on top of that um since i've now recovered i've been looking i had already been looking for more ways to get outside and be active mm-hmm. so i've been looking for a bike for a while so oh, i ended up getting a nice yeah. little um it's a hybrid bike so it's not one of those like road bikes with the drop bars uh, and like the the clip in pedals that you gotta have those like cleats for, but uh, it's it's pretty much like a road bike with just like looks like a regular bike, really mm-hmm. thin tires. So I went out for a twenty six mile ride last weekend. And oh wow! Yeah, it was great, man. It was oh, this nice awesome. flat paved trail. Um, and yeah, and then I went for a little ride tonight with my girlfriend as well. So I've been really enjoying biking. Um, definitely a good hobby if you're looking for something to get out and do. I highly recommend hopping on your bike if you have one or maybe looking for a used one if you can find one. It's been a tough market. So good oh, luck yeah. on that. I, yeah, I, and- I definitely will say like I've been sort of 
keeping my eye on like looking out for bikes and stuff and it's like you said it's been almost impossible to find them like people have been looking to get outside and exercise and kind of just like sort of find that ability to still kind of you know spend time outdoors while socially distancing yourself um and that's that's an awesome way to be doing it Oh, definitely. I mean, and I think now that I have the antibodies, like I'll definitely go back to the gym. But mm-hmm. um, it just it just kind of made me open my eyes a little bit to like, oh, I should get outside more and just enjoy the nature around me. And I think biking is a great way to do that, especially if you're lucky to have um, a lot of good trails around to do that on. Um, I've quickly found that the bike I got is not suited for dirt trails. So oh, if you have a lot of good <laughs> paved trails, yeah, it's uh it's good for that um but yeah it's just i'm trying to find a lot of things that aren't just watching netflix or playing video games and i think that's partially why i want to start this podcast just to have some things that are a little more creative like i've really uh i already liked cooking but i've been trying to do a lot more like i I made pasta homemade pasta for the first time chef cameron yeah it's not it wasn't you know anything fantastic but it's just fun to do stuff like that you know go out and go biking at one point i was looking for a kayak just all kinds of stuff like that. So yeah, get out there, go do something if you can. Once you can start, you know, playing uh, adult pickup soccer and stuff like that, you know, try to get out there. And it's just, right. it's, it's fun. It's, it's definitely different than just going to the gym. So definitely. Yeah, and I mean, while you're out I, there, put I'm on our to. podcast and, you know, <laughs> yeah. pass the time really quick and you can listen to us while, you know, you're biking or you're kayaking or you're running or you're doing the dishes, petting the dog. There's, there's I will always... say though, Carl, they're they're listening to podcasts while doing chores. Game changer. Hundred percent a game changer. Listening to the podcast while doing anything is a game changer. Like it. Yeah, I. It opens your eyes to a different <laughs> a different life. Like you, the sort of I mean, focus you have doing the things that it, you thought well, were yeah, so yeah, ordinary. Yeah, yeah. It is. It's like even when I go grocery shopping, I like to listen to a podcast or something just because it's like. I'll, I don't know. It just keeps you entertained when you're doing something normally you wouldn't really enjoy that much. But um, I'd say it's time to get into things. Um, I'm ready. Let me things. stretch I this mean, out. This is, oh yeah, get it all oof. stretched out. Get warmed up. This is a this is a meaty one. This is but, a uh, meaty one. We're getting into a brand new segment um, that we're introducing <clears throat> today. Um, we sort of wanted to. You know, change things up. This kind of three-week break gave us the ability to kind of format some things and, you know, maybe make a few changes to the podcast and how we go about the show. Um, So what we're doing here is we're going to start off the show. Cameron and myself have each taken or picked or come up with, however you want to explain it, Mm -hmm. three hot takes of the week. We like to call them the three spicy enchiladas um i don't know if that's a thing i just came up with that so if it doesn't work tacos? we will I made tacos tonight so that would tacos tacos sound good so three hot spicy tacos coming right at you um cameron do you want to lead us off yeah uh so my first one i've heard a lot of complaints about about this in particular and you know i, I was holding out and just like i said i was holding out for cbs all access um, just because I didn't want to go and get a new subscription service and have to deal with it. But I went and downloaded NBC Peacock. Uh, I signed up. So it's five bucks a month for the ad-supported plan, which to me is like I'm only going to use it to watch soccer. So that makes sense. But for five bucks a month, you're getting a ton of Premier League. Uh, you have access to 
all of the shows on it. I, you know, I'm not doing it justice because I haven't really looked at what shows are. But, you know, I don't think it's that bad. I think a lot of people are complaining. But personally, if you're somebody that um, is looking to cut the cord, maybe doesn't want to have a streaming TV service but still wants to catch some Premier League, it's really your best option. And if I remember correctly, uh, NBC Gold used to be more expensive. Mm-hmm. So, and that had less Premier League, I want to say, at the time. So, I, I really don't think the uh, vitriol is, is necessary. I think I've seen a lot of people who got all angsty. But, like, one, they gave you a free seven-day trial if you signed up anyways. Mm-hmm. And two, come on, it's five bucks a month. Like, if you're watching soccer regularly, aren't you already, like, paying 50 60 Like, $5 a month, really not that bad. Right. That's my oh, take. definitely. No, I I totally agree with you that um, I think personally, I, you know, the first weekend of the Premier League, I saw Tottenham was on NBC Peacock and I was like, no way I'm going to pay for that. And come kickoff time, I was digging out my credit card and putting it through the system. Um, it just seemed like a good deal. You know, same thing with CBS All Access yeah. and same thing with ESPN Plus, you know, like. Um, those are just things that, you know, I enjoy doing and, you know, kind of my mindset when I did those things is like, all right, let's see, I stop and get a coffee at Dunkin Donuts every single day. That's about $3 every single day I pay. You know, if I cut out, you know, yeah, if I cut out so many of those, I'm basically, you know, breaking even, uh, we'll see if that Mm -hmm. holds true. Um, but you know, it's a process and it's just sort of things like that. Like, you know, I really enjoy watching soccer. Um, it doesn't Carl, matter if quick, it's done. Oop. Quick, unrelated to soccer take. Uh, what's your take uh-oh. on pumpkin spice? Pumpkin spice. Uh-oh. Um, you're going to get me called out on the internet on this one, Cameron. Um, He's got to think about this one. <laughs> this this one, you know what? Like, He's I got to... conflicted. I am conflicted because you know what? Because I'm not a huge fan of pumpkin. Not a huge fan of pumpkin pie. Um, not a huge fan of really, that's the only pumpkin thing I can sort of think of besides spice. Um, it smells delicious, but yeah. I I just, I don't like it. I don't like you it. don't I, like it. I don't like it. And it's not because of the stigma, you know, people have against pumpkin spice. It's nothing like that. I don't like the flavor i don't like the flavor i am you know give me three creams in a you know stomach destroying dunkin donuts three dollar coffee and i am set like i don't need anything special i don't need any you know sort of flavoring just Mm -hmm. give me stuff plain um so not a fan well you know okay so i'm not huge on it but i will say uh, the pumpkin cream cold brew from Ooh. Starbucks. Big fan of that. Starbucks. Uh, it might be a little kind of unwarranted just because I think the flavor is mostly in like the cream, sugary cream topping they put on that it. That might but be it. I think, I think that's to be expected. Uh, yeah. But I, I did recently get, my girlfriend got me a thing of um, Dunkin' Donuts pumpkin spice coffee just to make it home and mm. once i can really taste things i'll uh, i'll give the people a bit of a review on that see if i'm still I'll on board fo- I'll, I'll definitely remember a follow up with you on that because it's like <laughs> okay. I, I i'm up for giving it another chance i just uh, when i you know i just i couldn't do it i i don't know what well, it is just couldn't do it but i'll speaking I'll, of the great pumpkin um what about what i would say 
is the greatest transfer so far of this window, which oh, seems to be segue. getting better by the the minute because we keep getting more details about the transfer. Mm. Um, James Rodriguez to Everton. Um, I got a, I got a friend I know, a friend I know, a friend, uh, James Boyman, who, shout out to him real quick. He's got a podcast called the American Toffees Podcast, all Everton-centric news. Um, man had uh, Tim Howard actually on the podcast. He was um, he was very blessed to have Tim Howard on that podcast. So um, good friend, definitely give that a listen if you're listening to this podcast. If you're interested in any Everton news, but um, he's stoked about this, and I, you know, honestly, I'm just as stoked. I think this was yeah. a masterclass by Everton because um, it seems like by all sources reported so far, it was free. Yeah. It, it it's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. I think it's transformative for Everton. Um, I think it shows faith that players like Thomas Rodriguez have in the club, uh, along with the pull of Carlo Ancelotti. Um, and it, it's starting to show uh, real promise for that squad in general. I mean, uh, everyone already knows about Richarlson. I think um, having Hamas in the team is only going to make him better. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that that squad is just. After years of kind of scattershot transfers, I'm I'm tempted to say that they finally got a summer right. Yeah. Blind squirrel finds agree? a nut every now and then, huh? <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. You know. Um, no. No. Um, I want to give them credit. You know, there, there's plenty of definitely. seasons you can make fun of of uh, Everton's transfer business, I, but I, I think this is one of, the, the, one of those summers that yeah, they I think they they got it right. They did. No, I totally agree with you on that take. I have no counter argument. Um, you know, it's uh, he is, you know, really going to flourish with that team. Um, you know, it's him in that midfield is going to be so much fun to watch with that Everton team. Him in the Premier League is going to be, you know, so much fun to watch. Um, I think the style of play really, really suits him um, from that midfield position. So it's. He, yeah, he, they he, got a he, whole new midfield, man. They got, uh, you know, they got Allen as well. And they mm-hmm. got, oh my God, I cannot pronounce his name, but it's uh, uh, Abdulie Ducore, maybe? Duc- yeah, uh, Ducore, I think. So, I mean, I, this could be a good year for Charleston to, you know, bang in some goals. Yes, de- definitely. I, I think I think Everton, they could be a sneaky, you know, top five, top four finisher this year. They really okay. could. That's, that's a good take. We'll check back in on that later. Uh, and then my last take, Carl, um, this really seems like, I don't think this is a hot take, honestly. I think this is kind of something that um, would be the consensus among pundits. But uh, La Liga is going to struggle in Europe this year. I mm. think they've... Spicy. I think Barcelona will be lackluster. I don't really think Messi's going to put in the performances that we know from him. Uh, this is going to be him just biding his time. Uh, as we've all seen, Valencia is in complete shambles. They don't know what's going on there. They had a fire sale. Um, Sevilla could Sevilla could come off their Europa League win and and have a decent season. I don't know how they'll do in Europe, but guaranteed they'll try to get into the Europa League again. Uh, uh, but Real Madrid, they're they're struggling a little bit. We'll we'll talk about their performance um, towards the end of the episode. And at Letty is going to be interesting. We were chatting about them a little bit. Uh, their <laughs> front line doing? is aging, <laughs> which is not very at Letty at all. So we, I don't, I don't know what the heck to expect out of at Letty this year. What's so yeah, the, I, I, 
What's the average age between that the two strikers now? Is that like 36? 34? Yeah, I don't know, man. It's, it's getting up there. You thought things were headed in a completely different direction with Joao, but uh, maybe not. I, 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 I don't I, know, I, but man, La Liga's going to be weird. They're going to have a, a strange season. So, yeah, that's my that's my third take. Carl, what about you? All right. That was, those were some really spicy takes. Like, I... I like those. I, I had no counter arguments against any of those. For my first take, um, man, these ones, this one, this one was a hard take to kind of come by. Um, and I had to think about yeah, this one your, a long time. I read time. this on the rundown here, and I was like, "Really? Okay. Yeah. Right, you know, I'll, this, I'll, I'm ready for you to explain." This is okay. So, which Big Five European League, and we're talking with the Big Five European Leagues, we're talking Spain, England, Germany, France, and Italy, the Big Five. Which Big Five European League reigning champion won't repeat? And kind of the mindset I walked myself through here mm-hmm. was, all right, let's first look at Italy. Okay, Juve, you know, they've won, God, you know, countless years in a row. Um and the only other club I could really see challenging Juve is Inter. And I feel like yeah. Inter are so inconsistent playing against yeah. the rest of Sir- Syria that I just, I don't see them making up, you know, the ground on Juve. I think Juve runs away with Syria again. Then I looked over, you know, into France. Yeah, I didn't have to look long. PSG's going to roll through everybody in that league again. Yeah, that's, that's not a tough call. And then I looked over in Spain a little closer. This one, you know, I kind of had to try to think, you know, Barcelona, like you said, is in shambles. Messi probably won't put it in, you know, sort of the performance you usually see. Atleti, we don't know what the heck Atleti's doing. It just doesn't make sense. And maybe, you know, maybe those surprises us and, you know, it's it all works out and they have a great year. But if... Barcelona and Atletico aren't challenging Real Madrid, then they run away with that title as well. Spain, so yeah, Spain, I just don't see anybody but Real Madrid winning. Then I went to England, and this one, I was like, man, Liverpool had a great season last year. Um, You know, I loved sort of um, what was happening uh with them and then i watched them against chelsea on saturday and mm-hmm. yeah no there's no way i see if man city i just feel like man city is gonna fall out too much um okay and so then i've came come to the final one and i see barissa dortmund i think mm. they will upset Bayern munich this year in the bundesliga i i feel yeah, like i mean Prior yeah. to Sancho, uh, prior to it pretty much being announced that Sancho was going to stay, I would have been hesitant to agree. Right. But I think with uh, Sancho staying now, uh, along with it seems like Giovanni Irena is is breaking out. Um, 100%. And then, oh, who's that guy they Jude got? Belling- uh, Jude, Jude Bellingham. Bellingham. Fantastic. Yeah, he's going to be fantastic as well. Um, I mean, it was it was him and, and Reina that's, that created uh, one of those goals. And both they're both seventeen. Am I correct in saying that? I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure I am. I believe so. so. I mean, they've got such a good squad. I, I'm excited to see what they can do. I think I, they can I, do it. 
I don't feel as confident as you do, but I can definitely see that happening. I think they can do it. I think, you know, the only thing it might come down to is those head-to-head matches. Maybe Bayern Munich pulls it through because the more, you know, veteran players, the more experienced players. But I don't know. I I really like Borussia Dortmund this year. Um, But that's what I got to say on that. Um, My second one, Tottenham will win a trophy this season. Book it. Um, And then my third one, uh, let's see... Um, I'm just not going to talk about that Tottenham one because I don't want to get my hopes <laughs> okay, up too yeah, much. We'll, 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 hold on to that. We, we, we'll just let that slide. That way it's hard to find and come back to later on. Um, my third take, Chelsea will finish out of the Ooh. top four. And this comes with a, a part of the take. Lampard wow. is going to be out before the season's end. Wow, uh, that is hot. That is... This okay, one all right, is scorching, all right. and we will. There is a this, lot of money riding on this season. This for them, this so is I, a okay. lot of money, and I feel like come January, if Chelsea are out of that top four spot, um, I I think I think Lampard gets canned before we even see March. I I think it all comes down to how they perform in the Champions League, um, and how they are performing in the league come January. I don't even know if it matters in the Champions League. I think Chelsea, if they're not performing in the Premier League, they will, you know, managers have such a short leash there at Chelsea. I just, and especially with the money they spent this window, if he doesn't perform with that squad, um, I just don't see it. I mean, he performed so well last year with that young squad. They gave him the ability to go out and spend whatever amount of money he wanted. And if it doesn't work out, that's that's not going to be good. Um, yeah, so. and I think with Chelsea, what it comes down to as well um, is I, I didn't really think the attack is, was as much of a problem as their transfers seem to indicate. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with Kepa and Goal, uh, it, it that seemed weird four? that there wasn't... Yeah, in the back four, really only strengthening it with Thiago Silva is concerning. Um mm-hmm. I think, you know, if they want to just win every game by scoring more goals, sure, let's go for it. But um, this past weekend definitely was an indicator that that no. might not always be possible. And, and, and I feel like uh, Timo Werner is, you know, you mm-hmm. see a lot of strikers come into the Premier League from other leagues and they struggle. And I feel, I'm scared that he's going to be one of those strikers that just can't figure it out in the Premier League. Um, yeah, and Chelsea seems can... to have a lot of bad luck with those type of strikers, too. That could come down to, I think he was played in a weird position last game. But um, anyways, we can talk about that more later. Uh, Let's move on to, well, first of all, thank you, everyone, for attending Touchline Takes. Thank you. Talk about it takes. Talk Um, about it. (laughs) This was a great time. We'll be back here with more next podcast. But let's jump into our um, meaty story of the week um so you know we're opening up that taco we're Ah. looking into that chorizo things are already a little spicy but we want to dig into it a little bit more we want to find out where the meat is made and carl carl found out this week about the transfer business of the premier league and that is something we wanted to talk about in the face of covid carl what did you find out so I can't remember what podcast it was, but we discussed at one point kind of questioning how teams were going to feel spending um, when it comes to this weird transfer window, when it comes to the weird end to last season, 
all these sort of things. It really seems, Cameron, that teams aren't that afraid to be spending money right now. Um, So I took a deeper dive into the Premier League. Um, I started to dig in a little bit um, and really dig through sort of, you know, what's been going on, what are teams spending, um, some big name players coming in. So what I have come to find out is so far, um, and remember the window does close October 5th, so there's another, what, like two weeks left in this window? Um, So, so far there have been 226 arrivals to Premier League teams. Now that's players that are bought, that's players from free transfer, and that's players on loan. The important number here, um, and let's see, yes, the important number here is the amount of money that's spent. So, so far there has been, and correct me if I don't get this right, because I was awful at math, there have been one billion, is that billion? Yes, one billion, $1,134,782,000 spent this window so far. And obviously that sounds like a lot of money. Again, I wanted to put it up to other leagues. It is lower or not other leagues, excuse me, other seasons, it is lower um, than what past seasons have been like. So in summer window of 2019, last year, there was 1715000000 just over $1,715,000,000 spent in the window. And then in summer 2018, there was just under $1,600,000,000 spent in the summer transfer window. Um, Cameron, yeah, I I, if, uh, if you gave this to a statistician, they would say, okay, there's definitely been a decline here. It doesn't right. really take a statistician to see that. But I, I think with um, all the all the news surrounding this, mm-hmm. it seemed like everyone was expecting a real drastic drop in spending. But um, to see that it, it, sort of level above a billion is still nuts, all it, things considered, with teams having laid off staff. No, it, it's like the, you know, and it, I think a bigger aspect to talking about this money spent too is a lot of these teams are losing a lot of revenue with no fans in the stadium. So the fact they're still, you know, not that afraid to, excuse me, go out and spend this type of money in the face of, you know, knowing that they're going to be losing a significant part of their revenue, you know, that's, that's huge. Yeah, and um, I would I would say that uh, even more impressive, I guess, if we're if we're alluding to the confidence of certain clubs, is that we've seen not just the big boys outspending, um, mm-hmm. we've seen newly promoted leads outspending, um, but specifically, I guess the first one to get into would be Chelsea um, yeah. <laughs> after their transfer ban. Everyone knew they were going to spend, but. Um, I'm not sure if everyone expected them to spend at this level Holy with God. the COVID pandemic going on. So, Carl, <laughs> you've done some research into every team. Well, not every team, but, you know, a good amount of these teams here. So, mm-hmm. Carl, I'll, I'll let you kind of introduce some of the Chelsea <laughs> signings and maybe what you think about them. Uh, so, Chelsea um, have spent a scorching. Now, get this, a scorching. Just listen really closely, and I'm going to try to say this slowly. 200 just over 240 245 million in 245 and a half million dollars on transfers that's uh, not bad that's just a little bit more than one Neymar 
that is just a little bit more than one Neymar. I mean, if they wanted to, they probably could have bought Messi if they would have, you know, sort of just uh, not bought all these players. But it's just like, and obviously the big one um, is Kai Havertz. Um, they bought him for $88 million from Bayern Leverkusen. Um, and then you have Timo Werner at just over $58 million. Uh, this one was kind of surprising a uh, little bit, and it kind of snuck under the radar for, I think, a few people. But the Ben Chilwell mm. signing, um, just over $55 million. And then Hakeem Zayak, um, right around $44 million. Um, so yeah, basically, Chilwell I did not expect at that level of fee. I mean, to put him yeah. just $3 million less than... Uh, Timo seems crazy, but you it, know. it does seem really crazy. And I mean, to think that all that money that Chelsea have spent are just in four signings, four signings. Um, and that doesn't, you know, granted, they've had some free on transfer. Thiago Silva is going to be joining them. Um, a couple other players signed free on transfer, but it definitely is a eye opening number to see. Um, Chelsea sort of spending and spending on you know just a handful of players and like you said earlier spending on sort of players that they really didn't seem to have any holes that you know they needed to fill at those positions yeah because up until the transfer saga really started to um, get drawn out uh, Timo was supposed to be going to Liverpool so Mm. I don't I don't really remember reading a lot of articles linking him to uh, Chelsea until the Liverpool move seemed to uh, break down. So that that was surprising. I mean, I think we heard a lot about Kai Havertz, um, who Carl, I'm going to correct you here. It's not Havertz. I think you just typed that up there, but it's Havertz. Um, I think people expected that a little bit more. Um, ben Chilwell, I think we can kind of tie the fee down to being an English player and the requirements mm-hmm. that the EPL has. Um, I think Zayek is a relative steal. Uh, yeah, for the for the price, I mean, forty four million is a lot, but you know, pretty good signing. But um, I think we mentioned in the Champions League wrap up uh, for the final is that Bayern Munich's squad costs less than Neymar, <laughs> so Chelsea have spent more than the entire cost for uh, Bayern to assemble their Champions League winning squad. So, you know, that just kind of puts things into perspective. Can't buy victories sometimes. And, you know, it's we'll see how they work out on paper. Nope. You know, it's all it's all a bunch of new players coming together who have never played before. Uh, three of them have never played in the Premier League before. You know, um, we'll... We'll have to see. It's uh, it's definitely going to be interesting. You know, it's going to be a lot of fun watching these world class players all play together. Um, but it all comes down to you know their their product on the pitch and the results um, that they come up with. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so, Carl, let's move next on to your club, my club, uh, good old, which good old I was. Spurs. I was. You know, kind of delightfully surprised surprised that they've been spending this amount of money. Um, Tottenham have spent the second highest in the Premier League at just under $105 million spent. Um, the big one, obviously, is Giovanni Lo Celso, which is actually at 30, just over $35 million, is basically a steal for him. 
Um, they had obviously had him on loan all last year, had the option to buy. They bought him from Real Betis. Um, and then this one, I am just happily enjoying and waiting to see him go out on the pitch is, and I know I'm going to butcher this last name, is Sergio Hegelon. Um Yeah, I don't know. I, don't, I, I should he, have heard how that was pronounced, but I, he, I actually haven't. So Tottenham posted a video of him pronouncing his last name, and I heard it, and I'm like, I'm just going to call him Reggie. Um, <laughs> That's not bad. Um, but he was just, you know, he was signed from Real Madrid. Um, you know, Manchester United really wanted this player. Uh, Manchester United wouldn't agree to the $30 million or... They agreed to the $30 million fee for him, but they didn't want Real Madrid to have an option to buy him back. Um, and so Tottenham did agree to that. So he is signed by Tottenham, but if Real Madrid ever want him back, they just have to pay $45 million for him, um, I believe was the final number agreed upon. Um, and then you have Matt Doherty. Um, oh, this who, has been a controversial one in terms of pronunciation. Yeah, is, is, is it is it Doherty? I think it's... I, so, um, one of the podcasts I listen to is the Caught Offside podcast from ESPN, uh, and um, JJ Devaney is a is is Irish, and I think I'm, you know, I I'm just probably gonna get this wrong again, but I think he said it's Doherty. Like you kind of gotta put some, put some emphasis on that. Put a I, little I oomph on that that, uh, that D. But yeah, that's that's what I got out of that. So. Okay, so Matt Doherty, um, they signed from Wolves, um, which is a pretty decent signing down there at right back, um, just under eighteen and a half million. Um, and then this, the Dane who they signed, who I'm also gonna butcher probably his last name, um, from Southampton, Pierre Imwell Hojenberg. Is it Hojberg? Yeah. Is it Hojberg or I don't Hochberg? know? Hojberg. All right. Like so I, our, our apologies. We will um, go to more enunciating classes um, and try to get better at this. Um, but he was signed just, you know, just under 18 and a half million as well. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm pleasantly pleased and surprised with Tottenham spending. Um, they also covered both of their weak points, I feel like, which were at mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. fullback position. Um, and then, am I forgetting someone that they... Yeah, I, I'm saying, speaking uh, of fullbacks, Carl, you, you could have another backup fullback if you really wanted. Cause, uh, really wanted. You got the good old Gareth Bale coming Gareth back to Bale. Uh, he, he didn't. He, he didn't retire and start playing golf? I thought that's what he... Well... Oh, He's man. been playing a lot of probably PGA Tour on the PS4, but uh, yeah. Uh, oh, so man. Gareth Bale's coming back to the club. How do you feel about that one? You I throw him back at fullback again just for old times' sake. I I I have like I can't even put into words how I felt when I saw that announcement or even the rumors that Gareth Bale could be coming back. Um, I am just. I've missed him. Um, he he is even at 31 years old, man. He is a world class player. And after watching Human Son put in four goals against Southampton, watching Harry Kane deliver the ball like he did, 
having those three at the top, you know, are going to be <laughs> it's going to be so much fun to watch. Unfortunately, Bale doesn't look like he's going to be fit um, until after the yeah, October uh, international break, um, which is fine. I can wait a little bit longer. I've waited this long to see him come back. Um, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, we got him on loan from Real Madrid, um, option to buy next year. We'll see how this season go. will go. But um, I think he's... You know, as long as he's played in the right position, I think he's he's your very typical Jose Mourinho, Danny Levy signing. Um, it's it's just it didn't surprise me, even though it should have. But I'm I'm excited about it. I hope it works, man. It's you know, it's on a loan. Uh, Madrid's paying a good portion of his wages, so it's not going to be too financially draining for the club. Um, and I guess you can just hope that his love for Tottenham uh, comes out, you know, and he really gives his all and he gets plenty of play time. So, and he, mm-hmm. of course, doesn't get injured. So, um, you know, I would love to let you talk about Tottenham all day long. But Oh, no, who else I, I probably here? could. We, we, would, we would be here all night if I just had a chance <laughs> to talk about them. Um, so what I'm going to do is, you know, you have Man City spent the next highest um, – amount of money this transfer window then you had liverpool man city and liverpool are almost equal um you know obviously those could change in the next few days as you know the transfer window continues but something that caught my eye from this transfer window wasn't just that you know you had leeds united outspending manchester united um this transfer window but you also the premier league team that has spent the fifth most money this transfer window has been Aston Villa. Crazy, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is insane. Uh, good luck to them until they just—they're basically pulling a uh, Fulham, Fulham from Ast- two years ago. A- Aston Villa have spent yeah ninety over ninety and a half million dollars this transfer window, and they they spent. And you, you you can, you know, go on and look at sort of the market value of these players they spent. They overpaid for everyone. Overpaid yeah, for I everyone. Holly Watkins from Brentford still, yeah. for almost thirty four million dollars. Yeah. And I mean yeah. I will I will eat crow if he ends up being a world class player for them. But like thirty four million dollars. Leeds United bought Rodrigo from um, from Valencia for thirty three million. For less yeah. money than what they paid for someone from Brentford. Yeah, now uh, let's let's compare that a little bit further. Uh, Diago, not Diago Hota, um, Tiago uh, f- was purchased from Bayern Munich and transferred to Liverpool for thirty three million. I mean, that's that's what you could have got. What? I mean, clearly he didn't want to go to Aston Villa, so oh, not of as easy not, of a probably. transfer. But that's we're we're trying to make perspective here. So yeah, that's yeah. that is crazy, Carl, that they spent that much money. Um, and just kind of while we're here, I'll just kind of wanted to do a quick little. Um, we kind of skipped over those teams just for the sake of time, but Man City got Nathan Ake, Ferran Torres, Pablo Moreno, Jan Kuto, Isa Kabore, Liverpool um, recently, very recently, and in kind of quick succession, signed uh, Diogo Holta from Wolves for $49.17 million, uh, Thiago for $33 million, and uh, Constantine. <laughs> Constantine Constantinos Samikas for fourteen point three million. So 
um, definitely filled some vacancies that they had, uh, whether that's backup or good competition, mm-hmm. rotational. Uh, Man City, not Man City, Manchester United, $42.9 million on Donny Van de Beek. Um, and we all know about their Jaden Sancho fiasco that has clearly not worked out. Um, and as we mentioned, Leeds got Rod- Rodrigo, so that's a great pickup. A um, couple others as well. And Aston Villa going crazy with the spending. So Just absolutely uh, crazy. Just yeah. they, they ate the whole taco and then some. Um, they sure did. They, they definitely went nuts. Um, wow. So, Carl, maybe we should go from big money. Big money. No money. <laughs> oh, so we're talking uh, about me now then. Yeah, to, we're talking about Carl Capen's signings for his uh, his ramshackle team. Nope, we're, we're not talking about that. Uh, we're going back to the United States for a little bit. We're going to talk about uh, the lower leagues. There's been an interesting development, uh, a couple things actually going on with NISA, the mm-hmm. uh, National Independent Soccer Association. I'm pretty sure that is what that stands for if i am not getting that wrong i actually want a national independent soccer association okay um that was a close one that was a close one just want to make sure i had that right but um so it's been something i've been following the past couple of years they are it, it seems like they're the embodiment of the kind of euro snob um at, at a very grassroots level uh, mm. With examples like Detroit City FC, which has a very strong supporter culture, um, they're kind of like a, a, a St. Pauli left wing style <laughs> club. Um, they've done a lot of it. crowdsourcing for their funding. Um, Nisa has been very adamant about their wish to uh, one keep clubs clubs so independent, not a franchise model, and two um, working the grassroots. And three promotion relegations. So they, hmm. when Nisa really kind of came to a front originally, um, they wanted to be the feeder league into the now defunct uh, NASL, as that was Division Two fighting against USL. So uh, they had a lot of uh, grand, ambitious goals um, with NASL folding. I think they've had to work uh, downward uh, instead of upward that they were sort of aiming for. Um, so Nisa has recently had a couple things occur. Um, they've had the Oakland Roots, who have probably been one of their stars besides uh, DCFC and probably Chattanooga. Uh, Oakland Roots has decided to leave for the USL Championship. Um, so that's a big blow to them as they were pulling a, a significant attendance, um, right around 5,000 every game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had some great merchandise, very socially active club. Um, whether that's supporting Black Lives Matter uh, or the LGBTQ plus uh, community um, and just in general being very active in their community. Um, a lot of professional uh, sports athletes like NBA players and pretty sure uh, Damian Lillard had been seen rocking some Oakland Roots merchandise. So oh, uh, awesome. clubs done, yeah, clubs done a good job with their organizational structure. Um, their on-field product's been pretty good. Uh, but I think specifically their their brand and marketing has been fantastic. So that's a big blow to Nisa. But uh, more importantly, and I think this is something I, I really want to hear your comments on, Carl. Uh, they have launched uh, Nisa Nation, which is it's kind of the culmination of their recent push to align with amateur leagues throughout the country. 
Um, so they had aligned with the um, the Midwest Premier League, the Eastern Premier Soccer League, and the Gulf Coast Premier League um, as sort of an affiliate. It, the details are a little bit murky in terms of what those affiliations meant, but this NISA nation is supposed to be a, I guess we could call it like a little Petri dish for amateur clubs that are aspiring to become pro clubs and eventually move into Nisa's actual league. Um, so the details aren't, f- I, I mean, I read through their page, but I, I think it's definitely something that's in its infancy right now. So we're not going to get a mm-hmm. lot, but the idea is that it's going to take these amateur clubs from those affiliates and um, other independent uh, amateur associations out there and kind of push them to hold the same sort of, um, regulations that the clubs in NISA have. So whether that's financial, the front office structure, um, some sort of the facilities and, and what they're expecting for um, player development. So uh, that'll be interesting to watch. What do you think about wow. that, Carl? I, I think that is, you know, if that all works out, um, I think it's awesome. I think it's a great, great way to kind of, you know, start to grow, like you said, from almost like a grassroots level, um, you know, amateur soccer in this country and kind of grow the sport a little bit. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's really, you know, unfortunate that we've talked about for many podcasts and it's ironic how this always keeps coming up, but it's just, you know, the development of American soccer here from the players to the clubs just hasn't been the greatest um, and I would even call that a hot take I it's just you know I, I think there are plenty people and who agree on that sort of stance um, so something like Nisa Nation I think will like kind of allow sort of you know if it works and it works well it you know it's it's a good blueprint and it's good for these you know amateur clubs that are looking you know to develop and to kind of become that professional team like it allows growth you know and I think in any sport especially soccer like from you know the player level to the club level like growth is important um it's one probably the most important thing yeah it's I think it's it's different than what we've seen out of uh USL which is still Operating in the franchise model, it's it's a lot more accessible for sure. I'm mm-hmm. not going to knock uh, USL in any way, um, but this is really offering clubs a chance to make that jump without having right. to make the same sort of financial um, deposit in doing so. Uh, mm-hmm. So I you can kind of see examples of this with New Jersey Teamsters as well as Maryland Bobcats. Um, they're looking like two of the more ambitious clubs that are, are going to be joining NISA. Um, but you'll be able to find more of these with NISA Nation. And hopefully this will this will be a good way to make sure we can find how stable these potential clubs will be before they, they join into the pro circuit. Uh, I think this, this helps the league stay a little bit more stable in the long run. Um, and and it, it prevents the kind of... Uh, the clubs joining and then folding that we've seen a lot within the mm-hmm. lower leagues of, of United States soccer. Yeah. Um, one more thing I wanted to talk about, and this is kind of drawing back towards the, the Oakland roots leaving. Um, Nisa only had eight clubs when they had their first season. So Oakland leaving was a little bit concerning. 
Um, so they did leave in the same manner that Miami FC uh, ended up leaving Nisa by just purchasing um, the franchise rights from mm-hmm. an individual so they didn't have to pay an expansion fee. Uh, mm-hmm. Miami FC did this by buying Ottawa's franchise rights after Ottawa um, kind of fell out with the... the um, they didn't have the right sort of... I don't know. Help me out, Carl. What's the... They didn't have the right uh, uh, quality certification, I guess. I don't think they were certified to play in USL yeah. for some reason. But... Um, yeah. Yeah, so they, they had... We're kind of worried now that Nisa wasn't going to quite make it because of Oakland Roots dropping out. But um, one thing to bring up to kind of shed some bright light on the situation oh, yeah. is Peter Wilt, who was the first president of the Chicago Fire. He was mm-hmm. the CEO of the women's team in Chicago Red Stars. Uh, he helped start and lead the Indy 11 and helped start forward Madison. He has been very vocal that he is bringing a Nisa team to Chicago. So that oh, is huge. Awesome. Um, that would be huge. I, yeah, I believe there's also a team. I think it's PDX United out of Portland. Uh, they're planning on joining NISA. And as I mentioned, um, we've got the New Jersey Teamsters and Maryland Bobcats. So uh, the future could be bright for NISA. I think this is it really smart that they are doing this, um, building up the, the amateur ranks and making a very convenient route for them to follow to become professional uh, really finding those communities that are overlooked that have the spirit and the the grit to to get there. Um, mm-hmm. They're now getting an opportunity from NISA. So, did you have any more uh, thoughts on that? Yeah, I I mean it's like you said, it, it's sort of getting that opportunity, and that's sort of the hardest part to find right now is um, getting that chance to kind of uh, you know sort of make that leap and make that jump and i mean the fact is going to a lot of these um you know sort of communities that wouldn't really get a fair shake um because either you know they don't have the financial capability or they just um there's other deterrents that you know kind of push leagues away from that sort of market like it, it's it's giving them a chance and kind of allowing these teams to possibly prove, you know, them wrong, prove big money wrong. And we all love a good sort of underdog story. So something like this is, is definitely, you know, has, looks like has a lot of promise to be one of those feel good stories. Yeah. And I'm, I'm kind of, you know, my long-term hope for Nisa is that eventually it, uh, you know, it doesn't quite have the infrastructure and time, but maybe uh, Nisa and USL can can, can kind of end up rivaling each other, like um, mm. you know the ABA NBA back in the day, and right. you know kind of force a merger and force some of the ideals to be adopted, most likely by USL. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, but yeah, it's that's kind of my hope. I, I don't really know, but I, I like what Nisa's yeah. doing. I like that they're working from the bottom up. Um, it's as a good start. To, yeah, 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 as opposed to like what MLS has done. Um, they're, they're getting a little bit nicer recently, I think with, uh, their academy structure, things of that nature. But yeah, that's, that's what I had there. Um, one more kind of lower league note. I know they're division one league, but I just want to congratulate Forge FC. They have won a, uh, back-to-back Canadian premier league, uh, championship. So hey, good on them. Yeah. They're already starting a dynasty in the second year of the existence of the league. <sighs> That's, they're just rolling through everyone. It's uh, 
we'll see next year as as the league starts to get more attention there starts to be more put more money put into it uh maybe someone will will begin to rival them but uh right yeah, now forge fc show. has a has a nice stranglehold on that cpl yeah not a bad showing from um halifax fc who were the runner runners up after a you know a fairly mediocre first season to see them make it all the way to the final was pretty cool so Hey, that's, I just wanted to provide an update on the Canadian Premier League as we uh, did a little trip up north earlier in our uh, our podcast. So, if, if you haven't listened yet, go check it out. Yeah, definitely. So with that said, let's go with, we've talked about how leagues are back in session here across the continent of Europe and beyond. Um, mm-hmm. So we wanted to do a little bit of a the big boys roundup since we've you know talked about the little, little fellows in the, the North American continent. Yeah, definitely a quick fire roundup. Um, you know, we sort of discussed it a little bit, um, or I mentioned it a little bit, but PSG, you know, just continue to roll in League Un. Um, yeah, I it, I don't see it any other way. You know, water's wet, PSG rolls through their, you know, the French League. It's uh, just kind of how it goes. It seems like, you know, the rite of passage. Yeah, uh, I really don't see... It it seems like every time a team starts to get rolling in League One, it's not even PSG who is picking them off anymore. It's just (laughs) they can't compete financially. Yeah, it's looking like like Lyon could possibly lose Memphis, so that'll be tough for them to recover from. Um, Monaco really haven't been the same for years, um, especially since losing Mbappe. Yeah, uh, Marseille was looking all right, but um, I just, I like I said, I don't think any team has the same sort of financial might to just throw oh, money no. at a problem like PSG does. So Never. that's kind of, that's the league one be. roundup a little bit. Yeah, it will be interesting though. Mbappe's already said he's not going to sign a new contract come next summer. Um, so, but of, of course, PSG will just go out and, you know, spend whatever money they have to to buy another striker uh but that's definitely an interesting story to keep an eye on in league un um as the season gets going and how about your boys at liverpool cameron they are they're off to another great start oh man yeah let me let me talk about them for a little bit so uh watching the first game week against leeds i got nervous man i really did i thought um I thought we had a bit of a complacency. It did not look like our, our front three, except for um, Salah, was really had his head in the game. Um, by the way, his short hair looking good, my man, Salah. Um, yeah, I almost didn't but, recognize him on Saturday. Yeah, but I think what we're realizing is that Leeds is just a good team. Um, yeah. I could oh. talk all day about Marco Bielsa and his impact on the game, um, his unique formations, his pressing style, but... All you got to do is watch Leeds play, and you can tell that they are not messing around. But I think with the recent signings of um, Diogo Holta, um, which I actually didn't really expect. I don't know if I just didn't see the rumors about that, but that just came out of nowhere. I know Tiago was, was going to happen. Um, but between those two and Samikas, I think we have a very... I think we got the coverage we needed. A lot of people worried about center back at Liverpool. Um 
I, mean, I had watched Fabinho play center back a little bit last season, so I kind of knew we had that option. But after him seeing him pocket Werner, I think <laughs> I think we can rest assured that we don't need to sign a center back. So Liverpool all of a sudden looking like they've got a an attack with depth, um, a midfield with a ton of options, mm-hmm. and a defense that is coming off a great season and looks like it's it's ready to go. Got the reinforcements it needs going forward. So. Yeah, I'm I'm happy with that, man. I don't really have anything else to say. Um, yeah, and I mean it's even better for Liverpool when you have Man United losing to Crystal Palace <laughs> at home again, second love straight year. To see they it. lost to Crystal Palace at home, um, and nothing against Crystal Palace. You know, Crystal Palace have been the definition, I guess, of sort of that middle table team in the Premier League for years now, um, even though they were sort of near the bottom last year. Um, but still, they they got to them again. And I don't know I don't know what's going on with Man United, man. I don't know what type of season this is going to be for them. Well, I think the interesting stat off of that match, Carl, is that uh, Palace had 24% possession they still got the same amount of shots off that United did, 14 to 17. How? <laughs> Too much passing around. They, they yeah. just not enough attacking play from United. And, I mean, it's, it's almost like Spain in the World Cup, the last World Cup in 2018, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, I mean, they domi- Spain dominated possession every game, but then just didn't. It was just like passing it around the back. Well, I think usually with the kind of the counter-pressing style that you have, not – well, yeah, playing on the counter um, compared to a team that has a lot of possession, you don't see that same amount of shot numbers. So it, it's it's showing a yeah. leakiness, I think, with United. Um, I mean, Wilfred Zaha definitely held a. Uh, he just came out in force for that game. Um, United's got a lot to ask themselves. You know, they've made a lot of big money signings the past couple seasons. Clearly, they couldn't get um, Jane Sancho to go through. But I think they've got more problems than just what Sancho could oh, yeah. fix. So, I, I still don't think Ollie Gunner is the the right option for them. Um, I mean, they've been a revolving door for managers ever since Fergie left. Uh, but it's he he's an impossible guy to replace. So it, it makes sense. But at the same time, like you're seeing Arsenal right now with Arteta. Um, you know, they finally seems like found the right man. So maybe man, you will, will find one eventually. Um, but yeah, I still don't I th- think, I think the I problem with United, um, especially we were talking about Solskjaer, Solskjaer, uh, I don't know how much impact he has when it comes to signings. Um, mm-hmm. it seems like Edward word is looking, we know he's looking commercially yeah. when he's oh, making a signing. Uh, a lot of people saw Sancho as a great signing for them, um, especially going forward. But it didn't seem like it was necessary, kind of a la what we were talking about, Chelsea. Uh, and United probably need more in terms of a center back. Um, it, it's, it, you know, their, their midfield isn't even that great. I mean, Juan Mata eventually needs to get replaced. And Sancho definitely would have been a good replacement for that, but it, it seems like their signings are scattershot. Um, it's commercially based, and I don't think Solskjaer is the most inspiring Manchester no. United manager we've seen. So, yeah, they're they're going to continue to struggle. Uh, I think so, definitely, and it's it's going to be even worse, you know, when they run into a teams like Leeds United, um, who we were just talking about. Like they. <laughs> 
they're a lot of fun to watch, man. They are a lot of fun to watch. And I mean, I, I know last year we saw Sheffield United have a very successful season after being promoted. A year before, Wolves had a very sexful, successful season after <laughs> being promoted. <laughs> but man, this Leeds Little United team, slip. they just, just like, mm, he's like, Nuno, mm. they, they just know how to attack, could care less about defending. It's unbelievable to watch, man. It's so much fun. Yeah, and it seems like, um, you know, I think for years we had seen promoted clubs come up, not really know what they were doing, and just drop right back down. But it seems to me that th- that what's happening now is you're getting these clubs that are, are, are promoted, and they have a system. And that's really what's working for them. I, uh, whether it's Sheffield and their overlapping fullbacks, um, Wolves and whatever you want to call what Nuno's doing. Their Portuguese national team. Their Portuguese contingent um, and just unbelievable technical ability. Uh, and then now you have Leeds with their their uh, their manager, Bielsa, uh, as well as just the, the, the ability to press that they've already honed in the, um, the championship. It... It it really seems like that's the blueprint now is mm-hmm. have have a plan, have a system, then go out and spend money in the transfer market. But right. don't For forget the that squad that, that got yeah. you there. Right. So. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. I mean, just throwing this. I I think it will be definitely a tough year for Fulham. Um, I I don't see any way Fulham stays up this year. Um, and West Brom. West Brom's going to be an interesting one, too, to kind of look out for. Um, I feel like the Premier League's just going to be so top-heavy this year. I mean, you have Everton firing all cylinders now. Um, Arsenal, I mean, I think Arsenal are going to be pushing for a Champions League spot. Tottenham's going to be pushing for one. Everton's going to be pushing for one. Leicester City's going to be pushing for one, man. It's going to be an interesting race. I don't think just for the title, but for that those Champions League spots too. Yeah, it's an exciting season in the Premier League, as, as I think people say that every year. But uh, I'm legitimately interested in probably about eight teams in the Premier oh, League yeah. this year. Uh, 100%. And not just... Not just them winning or uh, you know placing top four, top six. I, there's just a lot of good teams to watch. Uh, we mm-hmm. talked about Everton having James Rodriguez, Allen. Um, you know that partnership with Richarlison, um, even Davies. Man, I like watching Davies play. He, he's mm-hmm. I mean, as a Liverpool fan, it's it's weird to say, but um, they they've got some good talent in their squad. Um, we'll see how. Um, Man, I'm blanking. But, um, yeah, I mean, Wolves again. <laughs> uh, uh, Sheffield, Sheffield. There it is. There she- Sheffield. Sheffield, Sheffield looked yeah. a little shaky today. They lost to Aston Villa. But um, it's it's definitely it's going to be a very top-heavy season, um, I feel like. And I, I feel like you're going to see the, promote, the, the big clubs, you know, or the teams that are going to be competitive are going to pull away. And right up until the final day, you're going to have teams competing for those Champions League spots. Um, and it's, I'm excited. I, I am honestly, yeah. I think this might be yeah. the most I've, I've been excited for a Premier League season in a long time. Um, and just like what you were saying, like there's so many teams that are going to be so fun to watch and just see how they work out. There's so many moving parts of the season that, you know, 
it's it's going to be an interesting sort of thing to watch. Yeah, and I think really I would have on most occasions been okay with saying, yeah, I'll throw Chelsea in third this year, but um, I'm really only confident with City and United, uh, not United, City and uh, Liverpool in the top two. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I don't know. I have no I have clue. no idea. I mean, Leicester sat up there for a while last year, uh, and I'd almost forgot to talk about them this year. Um, you know, they lost Chilwell, but, and they've got an aging Jamie Vardy. So that'll be that'll be interesting. Um, but you got Wolves, Sheffield, Everton, Arsenal, Tottenham, um, Chelsea, Man United. Like, there's just a contingent up there that I have no idea how it's gonna end up. Um, mm -hmm. We'll revisit it probably around halfway through the season, but it's it's up for grabs. Definitely is. That's for sure. Um, let's take a little bit of a sort of a look. Uh, the Bundesliga. Um, yeah. We mentioned this in my hot take, but Dortmund, Dortmund are cruising, man. They're, they look like you're already in a cruise control mode. Yeah, I am. Uh, man, first of all, I think we can agree that, that Erling Holland is scary just how he plays. But, man, do you see some of his celebrations? Oh, he's weekend? frightening. Did you, I can't remember who it was. I think it might have been Sancho, but Holland was running over to like celebrate with him, and he looked generally like terrified. Yeah, scared of, for his life, man. Like th this man is an animal. He is just everything you want in a football player. Like it, it's just. It's unbelievable. I'm so excited. I get to watch more of Borussia Dortmund this year um, than I did last year, and I'll definitely be checking them out more with this young core, um, not just because, you know, the American Gio Reyna, um, I feel like is going to have a breakout season. Um, Jude Bellingham, like this is a team that's going to be so much fun to watch. Yeah, it's going gonna, gonna to be a weird year for um, Leipzig after losing there, or Leipzig after losing uh, Werner, as we've talked about, uh, you know, mm -hmm. still got like, still got Forsberg. They get still got Sabitzer. Um, they, you know, Kevin Campbell. They've they've got some good players in their squad. So, I'm not um, I'm not super concerned about them dropping out of like top four. But right. I think you've got a much better chance of uh, Dortmund and Bayern pulling away this year. Um, Definitely. So, so we'll see. Uh, that's that's pretty much Bundesliga. I don't really have much to say about Bayern. I think. They'll be fine. I, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's Bayern. <laughs> it's um, Bayern. I, I think the most interesting to, thing to watch with them is how the absence of Chiago goes. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. But I again, they'll be fine. They're Bayern Munich, and I'm not too worried about them coming in second place in the Bundesliga this year. Yeah, what do we got? Uh, Syria? Anything interesting there? I mean, we've got. Uh, <laughs> oh my goodness! We've got no. some weird movement from Juve <laughs> to to oh, uh, Atleti. Uh, yeah, it, this is when we actually threw this in just as we're about ready to start recording the podcast because to both Cameron and I, this was just an absolute just drop jaw what moment. Alvaro Morata is still teams are still looking to buy him for a significant amount of money. Um why? 
Um, exactly. And nothing, nothing against Murata. I'm sorry. Like, the, if Murata, if you're listening to this podcast, I take it back. It's called Touchline Takes. You know, we spit out hot takes. You know, I w- didn't really mean it. Um, but, but now that he's not listening again, um, so Alvaro Murata um, is going on a nine million dollar. So Juve are paying nine million, nine million euros um, for the loan from Atleti. So first of all, they're paying money for the loan, you know, whatever. Um, and then <laughs> the loans until June 2021, Cameron, they have a 45 million euro buy option until <laughs> June 2021. 45 million euros for Alvaro Morata. That's a joke. And I mean, if if Alvaro Morata isn't thrown onto the turn, turnpike by December, then Juve's doing something wrong. Um, they also have an option to extend the loan until June 2022. I'm guessing that buy option will go away. It'll either drop or they'll have to work those details off. But this is also coming off the backs, and we mentioned this before, of Atletico Madrid signing Luis Suarez. So I'm just, this is, I mean, it's, you know, I, I always think of that Spider-Man meme where you have the two Spider-Men, you know, pointing at each other because they're the same person. And that's what I picture Luis Suarez and Diego Costa being like. It's like, what, I, I just, I don't get it. And then Alvaro Morata to Juve is just another one, you know. I, I feel like Juventus and Atletico Madrid right now are trying to get us to talk about hot takes right now. I feel like they're just doing this for us. They've been listening to our podcast yeah, and they're trying to give us some content. Weston that must be it. He's going to score more goals for Juve this season than Morata is. There you go. I, Boom. I, I said I, I mean, it, it, yeah, that that's it. That's that. I mean, and I won't even call that a hot take. That's like, you know, that's no, a is. non-spicy taco right there. It's that is... Sauce. I, I don't know, man. It's the only thing that made sense out of Juve and Madrid or Atleti uh, is Gonzalo Higuain going to the MLS with right. Inter Miami. That, I think that's, that's like the only. only thing that makes sense. I, I feel like that alone has just made the universe right again in the soccer world. Um, yeah. You know, it just that felt like the most obvious move I could have ever seen happening. Um, <laughs> So I don't know, man. Maybe he'll surprise us. Maybe he goes for 30 goals this year. Um, you know, I don't think he scored 30 goals in his entire career. I could be wrong. I'll have to double check on that. Um, definitely not at Chelsea. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. In, uh, in other areas of Serie A, it looks like Inter is in the race to sign um, uh, Memphis Depay I think that would be oh. one of the more interesting spots for him to land rather than Barcelona that would be because, really interesting yeah just because I think he would add I mean you already have um, Martinez there mm-hmm. you already have Lukaku um, mm. so you add that in and that it could definitely add to the attack. I'm not sure how I feel about uh, Arturo, Vita- Arturo Vidal Vidal uh, yeah, I don't know what he really adds to Inter at this point in his career. Nothing. Um, <laughs> I, I I feel like if, if Inter gets Memphis to pie, then maybe they come within 15 points of Juve in second place this season. Wow. Uh, so you think they're still going to be that far back? Yeah, I feel like Juve just, they, I mean, 
it's I just don't have any faith right now in any other club in Syria. Um, I I just think it's Juve rolling through the league, getting knocked out in the Champions League quarterfinals. They fire their coach. We do it all over again. Yeah, and I, it's you know I I for years have hoped that um, Milan would make a comeback as well. But it's a little bit telling right now when their best hope for scoring goals is Zlatan. Uh, Zlatan. <laughs> uh, um, I mean, credit to where What is he, due. 38, 39 now? Is he? 38. Because that was like a quote from an interview he did the other day where he was like, wait, I'm 30. No, I'm 38. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Like, Milan. You know, it's good to see Hakan has been playing pretty well. I say his first name because there's no way I'm getting his last name correct. Uh, <laughs> but, man, I don't know. It, Milan needs so much. They just need... What what Milan needs is sort of like how Everton had struggled with their transfers for years. Mm-hmm. They need a couple transfer windows where they just get one or two people who will stick around long term and they can build off of. But right. Zlatan is not that... I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back to the MLS at 50 and still is scoring, you know, wonder goals. But it's, (laughs) yeah, they they need a lot. Like you said, I don't really have an answer for Milan. I feel like, you know, they've, I don't know how they kept on to, held on to Donnarumma as well. Like that's, once he leaves too, uh, what's holding their defense together? Oh, nothing. I don't, I, my goodness, this is awful. And it shows you how much I don't pay attention to Serie A, but I couldn't even name a defender on Milan right now. Um, yeah. I mean, they do have, um, so they do have uh, Theo Hernandez. So that's kind of like, oh, I guess that's right. That's, that's something. But uh, Theo Hernandez. The, the problem that's... with Milan is that I see players go there who you assume will play well um, yeah. over the years. I, I, so I would try to name a couple of their transfers that I've seen um, over the past couple of years, but it's just like they're there and then they're gone or they just don't do anything. Like I remember Milik right. was there, um, didn't do much. The old, like uh, Frank Kessier, I think is how you say Kessier, it. yeah, the midfielder, right? Like it's just like he seemed like a good signing and then it's just – doesn't, doesn't really pan work. out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, it's another interesting one at, at AC Milan right now. Um, Alan Halilovic. Isn't that surprising? How did he end up there? <laughs> oh, Halilovic, right? Is it yeah. Halilovic? Hal- Halilovic? Yeah. Uh, I haven't heard that name in years, man. He's still playing? Yeah. He was loaned out to Standard Liege and then uh, here in Avian. But, like, how did he end up in Milan? <laughs> Yeah, I, I, that's what, what I'm saying. I don't understand. Got on the wrong their, train. There's their squad. It's just so weird. It doesn't make I, sense. Their, their <laughs> transfer doesn't... strategy has been so strange. Like I thought, would you know they were going to get big money in there and things were going to change, but it seems like Inter actually, um, in terms of getting big money in, was the only one to actually benefit from that. Yeah, I mean, the Inter just has more, and still their structure at times, Inter, is a little confusing, and I don't understand it, but it's a do- definitely a lot more, you know, something that kind of is fluid than what AC Milan is like, because that just, it doesn't make sense. And it's, 
Well, it's really too bad. I decided to stick with uh, Pioli at, at uh, Milan, and I didn't get that because they had RB uh, Leipzig's, Leipzig. They had their, his, their sporting director, um, Ralph uh, Ragnick, as lined up as their next coach, who would have easily changed the entire organization at Milan. But it was highly speculated that um, he wasn't going to get the same amount of power that he had mm. at Leipzig in terms of just controlling the direction of the club in a backroom sense as well as an on-field sense. So they kind of backed out of that and gave Pioli the, the, the keys as he had kind of closed out the season well. So I don't know, man. Uh, but yeah, Serie A, definitely it's going to be another another good old season of, of Juve just dominating. Uh, but with that said, what are, you, what are you looking forward to? We've got a lot of games coming up. So, anything you're interested in? Because I, I got some things I wrote down, but I, I want to yeah. see if you had anything. I'm, I, I think I'm really interested um, to see sort of how I think, and I know this is something you probably wrote down too, but like just Real Madrid this year, um, yeah. I think is going to be a really interesting one to watch and I have you know been high up on how Real Madrid in previous podcasts on how they've kind of really ever since Ronaldo left have really kind of built built a good youth system there at the club buying players from South America and other places and I think it's going to be really interesting this year because I think this is a this is a big year for Vinicius Jr. it's a big year for Rodrigo uh, big year for Martin it's a Odegaard, big year yeah Odengard um, big year for uh, another Brazilian on that team the center back Eder Militao um, I feel like your Real Madrid has a chance to kind of be rotating some of those players in and out um, and getting them a lot more time on the pitch and it, it's you know it's going to be really intriguing to watch how they develop um, because a lot of those players get a lot of really high expectations and everybody has high expectations you know when you play for Real Madrid Um, but not just in La Liga but I think watching them in Champions League too is going to be really interesting um, this season just to see how they perform because this is one of the I would say this is one of the more inexperienced squads they've had in a long time when it comes to Champions League experience. Yeah, um, and then you know they've they've offloaded James Rodriguez as we've discussed and Gareth Bale, so uh, their options have all of a sudden became a lot more limited. Um, so they do have to put their faith in youth. Uh, there's been a little bit of rumbling about potentially signing Cavani. Um, as a striker up top, you know, to work with Benzema. Um, and then Hovic is probably on his way out. Does not seem like he's going to make his way back into the squad. So, uh, it's yeah, it, between, it's probably one of the weaker, even with Messi in the squad at Barcelona, it's probably the weakest we've seen those two sides in years. Yeah, and I, I think definitely when it comes to full competition in Europe, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be really intriguing to see how they perform. And I mean, we've been talking about Atleti and how disappointed they are and not understanding the 
Suarez move, but I feel like Atleti, and they've been so quiet this transfer market, like this could have been their season to finally win a La Liga title. Like, I, I feel like if they just kind of would have, I don't know. I just feel like this was this is one of their best opportunities, and who knows how it pans out at the top and how they do. Yeah, I don't know what happened to their transfer strategy, but um, having an aging Luis Suarez and uh, Diego Costa up top, uh, that I don't think that was exactly their idea of a, of a good transfer strategy about five years ago. They probably would have been like, <laughs> you're joking, right? Uh, kind of situation. <laughs> So um, with that said, uh, let's move on to I got a couple international competition matches that I think are good ones to watch out for. Um, We have Rangers and William two in the Europa League. Um, Rangers have been sort of in flux with the impending transfer of Alfredo Morelos, I would say. Um, I think after him playing and scoring goal last weekend, he kind of still showed that, hey, I've got value, you know, sign me, please. Uh, I just don't know if that's enough time for Rangers to sign someone. William, too, isn't going to be a pushover. Um, so hopefully Rangers can continue to progress. Uh, Celtic is also in Europa League after falling out of Champions League competition. So um, those are two teams I want you to watch, Celtic and Rangers, just because they push the Scottish coefficient a lot higher mm-hmm. in that um that kind of determines their Champions League and Europa League seeding. So they've, they've made a big push last year. We'll see if they can hold on to it this year. But more interestingly, um, I did a dive into the uh, Champions League playoff matches coming up soon. Uh, so that determines who jumps into the group stage of the tournament. We have a really interesting match, I think, uh, Carl. And you've probably read this a little bit, so I hope you agree. Let's see here. It's Molda versus um, Frank Varos. So Molda is out of Norway. Frank Varos is a Hungarian team. Um, so Frank Varos was the club that dumped out Celtic uh, oh, yeah, out of yeah, the Champions yeah. League this year and uh, Dinamo Zagreb. So uh, one thing I thought was really interesting is you don't see this particularly often in leagues that aren't highly ranked, but having a lot of foreign players. So Frank Varos, their squad consists of Brazilians, Ukrainians, Bosnians and Herzegovinans, Syrians, Croatians, uh, Norwegians, uh, Ghanaians, Georgians, Irish players, Albanian players, French players, Slovakian players. That's a whole melting pot. And of course, Hungarian players all in this team. It was crazy looking at that uh, team sheet. Um, Interestingly... So the fact that they are one step away from the group stage is in complete juxtaposition to their uh, coefficient ranking. They are somehow behind uh, Liechtenstein. <laughs> I, I don't know how that worked out, and, but just barely ahead of, um, uh, well, Liechtenstein's ahead of them. I think they were just barely ahead of Latvia in the uh, UEFA coefficient. So, you know, wow. for a city of... of that for a country that has Budapest, one of the major European cities, surprising to not see, yeah. um, not see them being ranked a little bit higher than Liechtenstein, which has like less than a couple hundred thousand people. Um, that is so. That is really crazy. Yeah. So 2009, 2010, last time uh, a Hungarian team appeared in the group stage of the Champions League, it would be 
Molde's second time in the group stage if they made it through the playoff in Norway's first since 2008, uh, 2007, 2008, which was um, Rosenborg. So mm. uh, a good matchup to watch. I always love seeing me some minnows in the, the Champions League. Yeah, just stages. to get smacked by whoever's group they get put in. Yeah, I don't care, man. It gives them a good they get <laughs> no, a good payday for, for making it. And if they get third in their group, then that's even more of a payday for them. So now, I, I always support the minnows. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but the loser of this still drops out into the Europa League, right? Uh I I know they do fairly early on a Champions League qualification. I, yeah. I assume they do in the, from the playoffs as well because they pretty so. much give One, them any opportunity they can to drop into the Europa League. Right, yeah. One of our viewers or listeners can correct me if I'm wrong on that. Yeah, please please do. We, we need to be corrected. We, we uh, definitely we don't know. know what we're talking about. This is about yeah. us learning just as much as it is about our potential listeners learning. Definitely. Uh, and then last which this isn't going to take place for a while, but I just want people to keep an eye out because I think it presents an interesting uh, mm. allocation of international spots. Um, so Forge, who, as we discussed, won the Canadian Premier League, well, they'll be playing Toronto FC uh, in the Canadian Championship. Now this decides who gets the Canadian spot in the CONCACAF Con- Champions League uh, because the winner of the Canadian Premier League, as we've previously discussed, gets the CONCACAF League spot. So it's like the second tier North American competition and then the Canadian Championship, which includes the MLS teams. They get a shot at the first tier North American competition. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I'm curious about is if Forge FC wins this and they win this year's CONCACAF League, who gets the, the CONCACAF Champions League spot? Will it go to the runner-up of the Canadian Championship, or will it go to the runner-up of the Canadian Premier League? Not really sure on that one. Interesting. That's a that's an interesting scenario to see happen. It'll be a fun one to see happen. I oh, would yeah. love it. Um, I would love, you know, like we said earlier, we always love a good underdog story. So team like Forge taking down Toronto. Um, we we love some good chaos. Uh, yeah. yeah it, when, so th- when is that game? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's not till the Canadian Championship won't be until December. I'm mm. pretty sure, which also doesn't really make much sense because it's Canada in December. So I mean, it's, uh, it's cold in Canada all the time. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I it's the the news I could find about that wasn't wasn't solid. Um, mm-hmm. The only thing I did get, which is I guess kind of a nudge in the right direction, is uh, that Forge will be playing uh, Municipal. Municipal in the CONCACAF League in October. So uh, they're out of El Salvador. So if you are interested, you should be able to find a stream of that somewhere, uh, legal or illegal. Hopefully it's out there. Um, Those international CONCACAF games can be a bit tough to find, but if you're interested, um, definitely something good to support. Uh, I am very interested in in, um, Central American clubs. There's those leagues have been around for decades, if not half centuries or more. So right. a lot of good clubs down there, but they just don't quite have the same money that uh, Mexican and American teams have. Right, definitely. No, that's so. all. It's There's a lot to watch, man. Like, if we, we talked about this, you know, for 
more than probably 10 minutes at the beginning of the show, but man, it's just, I'm, I'm glad football is back. It's not like it left for a while, but <laughs> it did not. Yeah. It, it did not leave for a while, but it's anytime that it's not here and, you know, we're not in the middle of a season. It just feels like, you know, things are dragging. It's not much to do, not much to watch. I'm glad it's no, back. I think, I think though, I would have preferred um, that this whole Corona thing had, had happened next year because <laughs> um, we did miss the uh, the Olympics this year. We so, did, and we missed the uh, the European Championship this year too. Yeah, the Euro. Yeah, the Euros are supposed to happen, right? Yeah. I, mean, I believe yes. so. I mean, they got canceled so early on, but I'm almost positive that Euros were this year. It would have made yeah, sense. So, so we would have had some good filler content, uh, you know, even with the off season this year. But you know, regardless, whatever. It's it's still cool. Football's back. It's I'm back. It. We're all loving is it. Not as bad as as everyone's making it out to be. Mm-hmm. So if you're willing to drop the five dollars a month, it's worth it. You get some extra content. Um, yeah, man. I, I don't know. I'm 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 enjoying it. It's tough to keep up with. Oh, uh, it is. I wish there were some better ways to kind of get notifications for games on ESPN Plus and uh, you know Peacock and all that stuff because mm-hmm. I feel like I just miss a lot of games because I I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know if there's a way to get notifications for stuff on ESPN Plus. I need to start doing it so I can watch yeah. more USL and whatever else they have. Right. I'm always Googling stuff. I like, I'm, you know, I'm sitting around and I'm like, wait a second, is there any MLS? Is there any USL matches tonight? And then I go and Google it just to see. And, um, you know, hopefully, you know, this just keeps growing that, you know, sort of the accessibility of watching football in this country just continues to expand. And hopefully that will draw the interest even more. And hopefully, you know, if you're not someone who watches a lot of soccer or follows it a lot, hopefully, you know, our podcast, if you're listening, can sort of give you, you know, sort of more direction and push you towards, you know, paying attention more because it's there's a lot going on. There's a lot to it from the big boys in Europe to, you know, small clubs here in the U.S. It's there's, you know, a lot of interesting stories and a lot of feel-good stories and a lot of, you know, sort of things that really, you know, really can interest people from, you know, a wide sort of spectrum of um, sort of interests and backgrounds and backgrounds and social stratas all over the place. All over the place. It's, you know, it's... I... Yeah. I, I would one thing I want to add too um, is if you're listening somehow and you're you're actually not a supporter of a club, uh, we would love to help you out. Um, yeah. you could either DM us on Twitter or just like add us or uh, email us at what is it touchline takes at gmail dot com. Just touchline takes at gmail dot com. Yes, at touchline takes gmail or at gmail.com um, follow us on Twitter at touchline takes um, and you know Cameron and I were talking you know we've had this three-week window where we didn't record a podcast you know some life things got in the way some other things we couldn't kind of control but we're definitely going to be a lot more consistent when it comes to giving you information and giving you sort of stories um, like we t- like we say you know that sort of make the sports and the sport of football tick um 
We yeah. are. Uh, so, like I said, though, if you do need a team or just a league that you, you want to watch, uh, but you don't know where to start, definitely reach out to us at any of mm-hmm. those um, avenues and we'll help you out. Just give us a little information about yourself and we can kind of find a, a good fit for you. Um, you know, we definitely. like to, we like, we're not Premier League specific. We like to watch a lot of, of uh, football just all across the spectrum. So mm-hmm. we can we can probably point you in the right direction. Carl's a big South American um, football guy. I don't watch enough of it. I really need to. So he may be able to help you out there, or maybe you want to support something local. We can do our research to figure out what's near you. Um, right, definitely. Or or maybe you're you're really into the idea of just like starting a uh, a football kit or jersey collection, and you want to know a little bit about <laughs> that. We can definitely point you in that direction too. I, I just picked up a. Uh, a Figo kit. I'm super excited about that. It's an oh, that's Inter Milan awesome. Figo kit. Uh, it's in the mail as well as um, yeah. I'm gonna save this one actually. I'm not gonna tell you oh, the other one I got. If you if you follow us a, on it's Twitter, a cool story. We'll post it. We'll post it on Twitter if you follow us on okay. Twitter, and we'll make sure to you know get that out there. Um, I I'll just got I just got I'll, a uh, a Bahia jersey a club in brazil oh, nice. they're in the, they're in the northeast of brazil playing uh city down there um beautiful beautiful jersey i'll have to show that one and post it on twitter too yeah we can start doing that i, I am uh sadly a little bit addicted to picking up uh kits or jerseys whatever you want to call them um so yeah we can definitely start posting those on our uh twitter maybe we'll get an instagram going um just kind of like a jersey of the day or jersey of the week because we both love a pickup, that's for sure. Um, right now, I'm sure. actually wearing a uh, Europa League uh, Partisan Belgrade kit. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I, we both kind of like the, not necessarily the obscure, but just kind of like the oddball kit. So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, maybe we'll have our fans or just our friends. You know, you're you're not fans. You're, you're all friends. If We're you're all friends podcast, here. You're a friend. So, you, you, we'll you are ask definitely a friend if you've listened to all this podcast yeah yeah so you can definitely share what you've got um ask us any questions about kids or jerseys or just what we're up to and uh i'd say this is another great episode huh carl it it was a fantastic episode again you know we're happy to be back after a three-week sort of hiatus we're happy football is back you know life's good man it's uh we have a lot to talk about, and I know we have a lot more to talk about next week. Um, so, you know, Cameron, if you want to say a quick goodbye and just give them, you know, kind of a little plug and shout out to what we got coming up for them. Yeah, um, you know, we got another world tour coming up. Uh, we haven't quite figured out the location yet. I've got it limited down to a couple options. Mm-hmm. Um, these are mine, though, so maybe Carl will have a couple others. So these aren't final, but I got Ukraine. Uh, South Korea or Egypt those are all locations that I want to scope out figure out what's going on in their league what's the history a little bit who's the big boys Um, but yeah we'll we'll keep you posted as well on what's going on in the top leagues we like to really follow the lower leagues here in the United States so if anything Mm -hmm. crazy happens especially with that Nissan Nation um, we'll, we'll keep you updated on that uh, I will get, let you guys know how my butt is doing after riding my bike so much because it does ache quite a bit. Um, man, that hurts. I had no idea. We, we uh, should Carl, just end the podcast with that. <laughs> yeah, my butt. 
parts uh, and Carl will tell you how to effectively wear your Skechers shape-ups when you're out for a stroll. Definitely. Um, yeah, they're Velcro too. Velcro with the lights in. <laughs> with the lights. Oh man. Well guys, it's been fun. It's been real. It's been really real. Thank you for listening to another episode of Touchline Takes. <laughs>